today in the midst of this different kind of Memorial Day weekend. Even as we remember the sacrifice of so many, we find ourselves in this unique juncture, in, in, in the midst of dealing with this pandemic. Our, our daughter Hannah um, turned one just this past Friday, and, and just a couple of family members gathered together, socially distanced in the park, um, to watch her blow out a candle and, and eat some birthday cake. And, and one family member reflected uh, with me saying, you know, when we first began this quarantine uh, and, and somebody else suggested that we might not be gathering together uh, as normal by Easter, it seemed ridiculous. And yet, here we are. You know, at the outset of this thing, people were temporarily furloughed from their jobs. There, there was this general angst about the unknown, and, and we made jokes uh, about Zoom meetings. But now here we are at, at this point, more than two months later, where we've lived a, a significant chunk of life in this way. Jobs are, are, are not simply being lost. Uh, entire companies have shut down. Businesses have closed their doors. I spoke to a couple just this past week whose, whose wedding plans, which weren't until later this fall, have been altered. Their, their venue has, has decided to, to cancel all events through the end of the year. Our graduates, both high school and, and, and college, are experiencing graduation in a, in a very different way than they had envisioned. Um, perhaps, perhaps you've experienced the death of a family member. we've learned what it looks like to, to grieve the loss of loved ones, those separated by distance, unable as yet to, to memorialize their lives most of the time. And then even for others who, who perhaps haven't experienced the loss of, of a family member, but have, have had to deal with the feeling of helplessness at not being able to to support and, and, and offer their love in traditional ways. How are you feeling? How are you doing? Are you feeling frustrated? Worried? Tired? Sorrowful? Yeah, I mentioned that we celebrated Hannah's birthday on, on Friday. And, and after we'd had cake, uh, Hannah and Amy got into the car in order to drive across town to participate in a, in a birthday 
drive-by. Uh, perhaps you've participated in, in one of these over the last weeks, and, and that is rather than gathering together for a party, uh, people getting into the car, making signs and balloons, and, and driving by the house of the person celebrating the birthday just to, to extend love, right? Well, a, a, as they were doing that, I wanted to go to the store, and us being a, a one-car family, I decided I would jump on a bicycle and, and ride over to the grocery store. And, and as I, I began to, to pedal, I quickly realized that, that the bike wouldn't advance into the higher gears. It was, it was stuck in a lower gear, which, which meant that I couldn't go very quickly. And, and so I spent the better part of the, of the ride to the store um, frustratedly trying to change gears, trying to, to make it work so that it would turn over so that I could ride at the speed I was accustomed to, um, so that I could get on with my trip to the store. When I finally gave up trying to make these gears work, when I, when I finally gave in to the slower speed that the gears of the bike dictated to me, I suddenly noticed how beautiful it was outside. The, the afternoon heat had subsided. There was a soft breeze blowing in off of the ocean. And as I rode through the neighborhood, I noticed the royal poncianas in full bloom and the jacarandas. I waved to neighbors and I thoughtfully reflected on the day. It was a gift. But had I not given up fighting the bike, I would have missed it completely. Thomas Howard, in his book, Chance or the Dance, highlights our tendency in life to, to move from one thing to the next without ever being present. You know, we, we work on Monday through Friday to get to the weekend, or we work all year to get to a, va to a vacation. We spend so much of our time trying to get somewhere else that we forget to live. We forget to be present. And on that bike ride yesterday, I, I got to be present by accident. And it was such a gift. Our scripture this morning from 1 Peter calls us to do just this. It, it calls us to be present. Peter's words are, are for us right now. Uh, even in the midst of the pandemic, even as we are tired, worried, frustrated, or sorrowful. And it comes from 1 Peter's fourth chapter, verses 12 to 14, and then, and then from chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Hear these words. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. 
Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after all, and after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. First Peter is pertinent to us, pertinent to us today, not because Peter was writing to us, but, but because what Peter had to say to these early Christians remains true today. There are opportunities in the face of suffering because of the promises of God. Hear that again. There are opportunities in the face of suffering because of the promises of God. The writer opens this section of the letter highlighting the fiery ordeal that they were undergoing. He, he calls it this test. Hear the words again. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. Here, the writer is, is, is making a reference that they would have understood. And, and it's a reference to an Old Testament text in Zechariah chapter 13. He, he uses the, the Greek translation of a Hebrew word that refers to a fire used by a refiner. I want, I want you to hear these words from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9. And I will put this third into the fire, refine them as one refined silver, and test them as gold is tested. I will put them into the fire and refine them as one who refines silver and tests them as gold is tested. Describing a time that through trial, God will strengthen the people, that through suffering and hardship, God will be at work. The refinement of gold or, or silver or any precious metal is a, it's, it's a metallurgical process by which metal is, is purified. Their, their impurities, that, that is, are, are removed. See, gold is, is heated to temperatures greater than 2,000 degrees. And, and it's subjected to this extreme heat until it, it is no longer able to keep its form. And it breaks down. It, 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 it melts. And it's then at this point of extreme stress that the, that the dross, that the impurities float to the top and are able to be skimmed off by the refiner to leave behind gold or silver in its purest form. It is only then, under this extreme heat, this extreme stress, that the, pure, the impurities are able to be removed. What Zechariah and in turn the writer here in 1 Peter is communicating is, is that these trials, that these sufferings they are undergoing will serve to refine them, to allow the impurities to be skimmed off so that, is what, so that what is left behind is pure. 
so that God's people will become as God created them to be. Friends, how might we allow God to work through our current challenges to to purify, to refine us under the great stress of the situation? How might we be present in our suffering in order to allow God to draw us through the fire? Now, I want to be careful here. Uh, uh, just this last week, a, a local business owner who knows that I'm a, I'm a pastor said, said to me, God must be angry to be doing all of this. New Testament scholar Peter Davids explains that while God may allow suffering, God is not the cause of suffering. And in scripture, suffering is never seen as good by itself, but only in so much that God works in and through the suffering. Hear that, that in scripture, suffering is never seen as good by itself, but only in so much that God works in and through the suffering. Thomas Merton, an American Trappist monk, writes that suffering has no power and no value on its own. To believe in suffering itself, by itself, is pride. But to suffer, believing in God, is humility. Suffering then becomes good by accident, by the good that it enables us to receive more abundantly from the mercy of God. Suffering becomes good by accident, by the good it enables us to receive more abundantly from the mercy of God because of our faith in God to work through and in spite of the suffering. Suffering only becomes good because of what God does with it. Christ's suffering on the cross at the hands of Roman and Jewish authorities, not at the hand of God, is only meaningful because of what God accomplishes then through Christ's death and resurrection. First Peter calls us to this focused faith in what God will do in and through suffering. The writer goes on to, to list the disciplines that are required of us to focus our faith in the midst of this suffering. He writes, cast your cares on the Lord. He, he hearkens this image of a physical placing of physically taking our worries and placing that burden upon God. This, this discipline of placing our cares upon the Lord is, is a daily discipline of, of recognizing those things which weigh upon our minds and then handing them over each day. We're told to keep alert to be humble, to, to stand firm in our faith. And, and what stands out in this list is that these are quiet disciplines. These are disciplines that, that are best cultivated when we are on our own, when we have space, which we have. And friends, that even as we begin to open back up, we are going to continue to have space 
space. And so how are you going to cultivate these disciplines? How are you going to daily place your cares upon the Lord? Be alert, remain humble, remain steadfast in your faith. I enjoy running. Running in and of itself is a, is a discipline. And I, I never thought that I would say those words. But it has come to be a discipline that brings me great joy. And, and, and I'm no marathoner. Uh, I run a few miles here and a few miles there. But, but I have come to find great joy in running. I've also come to be, uh, come to be fascinated by ultra runners. Uh, that is, runners who run distances that are greater than a marathon. A, a marathon is 26.2 miles, and these ultra races out there are, are 50, 100, and 200 miles long. These racers race for days. Courtney Dowalter is one of these runners. And, and not only is she one of these runners, but she is one of the greatest of all time. In 2017, she, she beat all racers, men and women, at the Moab 240. That's a 238-mile a trail run. And she beat them by more than 10 hours. She completed the race in just under 58 hours. That's more than two days of running. She did sleep during the race twice. She, she took two naps, totaling 21 minutes. The, the, the pain that these runners endure on purpose it is hard to even imagine. The extreme exhaustion, the temporary loss of sight, inability to keep food down. I've, I've heard uh, the, these runners refer to, to these times of suffering during a run as entering into the pain cave. I, I watched a video this past week of, of Courtney Dowalter competing in the, the ultra trail du Mont Blanc. It's considered to be the pinnacle of ultra trail races, and it's, it's a grueling 100-mile course at altitude with significant elevation change. And, and the final stretch of this race is through the town of Chamonix and, and, and in France. And, and the, the road, as they come towards the finish, is lined with fans. And as you watch the video, even after this grueling 100-mile-an-hour, or excuse me, 100-mile race, Ms. Dowalter is, is, is energized by the fans. There is, there is pain in her face, but her pace quickens. Her energy, it builds as she makes each turn through the city towards the finish line until she finally reaches the last turn. And the camera is fixed on her face as she swings around the bend. And you can see her face as she sees the finish line for the first time. And she lights up. As she sees the promise of the end and understands it does exists, exist and she can make it.
Peter's words. Peter's words here to close the passage serve as a reminder to us that in spite of whatever suffering we may endure, whatever the pain cave may look like, the finish line exists and we can make it. First Peter, the writer finishes the passage writing, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish. The God of all grace will restore, support, strengthen, and establish. The finish line exists you can make it. The good news is is that we endure suffering knowing the truth. God is at work. God is doing something, friends, and, and that we will be together again. I mentioned to begin that Friday was Hannah's birthday, and one of my nieces uh, wrote a note to her. Uh, and, and it was originally a class assignment that she was to write to someone in the future who had no knowledge of the pandemic. And, and of course, Hannah, who, who has just turned one, will, will not remember this. Um, and, and Hannah was also given strict instructions not to open this letter until her fifth birthday. But, but I'll give you a sneak preview because I think it I think it reminds us now of how we might look back one day. Dear Hannah, you were really little when this happened, but I'll, I'll tell you the story of the coronavirus in 2020. At the starting, people started getting very sick. Next, we had to do online school and, and had to stay at home. It was not as fun, but it kept us safe. Many people around the world went on Zoom for school and for fun. We could not see each other in person because we could get sick. We stayed happy by watching TV and Zooming with friends and family. Most kids played board games and video games and cook together. I really missed you in that time. Love, your cousin. Reading that letter, I, I am reminded that we, we have really missed you in this time. I'm reminded that that we have jumped on to Zoom, that, that we have done things virtually, that, that we have done things differently. And I'm reminded that, that one day together we will collectively look back with clarity and see that God was at work. One day, 
we will look back. But friends, the good news is that now we can look ahead together knowing that the finish line exists, knowing that we can make it, knowing that God will restore, establish, strengthen, and support. Friends, God is at work here and now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, as we close in worship this morning, even as we blow out this candle, a reminder of Christ's presence in and among us, we go out into the world taking the light of Christ. And so go out, knowing that the finish line is out there, that God is at work. And may God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in union with Christ Jesus, both now and in the life to come. Amen. Go in peace.